everybody this morning. Continue to pray for those who are ill uh, and that God reach down and touch them and protect them. And... All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful for each and every one that's represented here and those that can't be here, Lord, that are listening online. Lord, we just pray for those that are on our prayer list. Lord, you know what each and every need is. We ask that you protect, guide, and direct, and heal those who are sick. Lord, we just ask that as we study your word and read together this morning the examples that you've given us in Scripture, Lord, that you just reach down and anoint this service and that it may bring honor and glory unto you. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I hope you haven't forgotten what was going on in Second Samuel, but we are. I've told you for weeks we was going back, and guess what? We're finally here. Second Samuel 14. Second Sam, Samuel 14. And remember, Amnon... took his sister and he raped her and Absalom this is all in 13 and Absalom had his brother killed or Amnon killed and so we pick up in 14 and see what's going on here so here we go Chapter 14, verse 1, So Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was concerned about Absalom. Now remember, David was mourning and weeping over Absalom. Okay? And, it, I mean, how many times have you weeped over your family? How many times has you, in, in your life has your heart been troubled over your family? I don't know about you, but Things aren't always hunky-dory in my family. We all have trials and circumstances that come up in our family and that cause us to, to mourn and weep over our family members. And that's what's going on with David. Okay? So Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was concerned about Absalom. And Joab sent to Tekoa, and brought him there, wise woman, and said to her, Please pretend. Now, here we go. Please pretend to be a mother and put on mourning apparel. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but act like a woman who has been mourning a long time for the dead. Go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put the words in her mouth. And when the woman Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. The king said to her, What troubles you? And she answered, Indeed, I am a widow. My husband is dead. Now they've made this story up. Okay? They've made this story up to go to David. Verse 6, Now your maidservant had two sons. And the two fought with each other in the field. And there was no one to part them. But the one struck the other and killed him. And now the whole family is risen up against your maidservant. And they said, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may execute him for the life of his brother who killed him. 
and we will destroy their air also. So they would extinguish my ember that is left and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on earth. Now this story parallels to what's going on in David's life, right? With Absalom and Amnon. You think it's dawned on him yet? Let's see. Verse 8, Then the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, My lord, O king, let the iniquity be on me and on my father's house, and the king and his throne be guiltless. So the king said, Whoever says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall not touch you anymore. Then she said, Please let the king remember the Lord your God, and do not permit the avenger of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord lives, not one half of your son, not one hair on your son shall be on the ground. Therefore, the woman said, Please let your maidservant speak another word to my lord the king. And he said, Say on. So the woman said, When they have when they when then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty. Is that the king does not bring the banished home again? She said, You've got the same thing going on. This is an example of what you've got going on. In your family. Now I don't know at what point the light switch flips for David. But here's what I want you to see about David this morning as we go, as we'll finish this in just a second. And I want, here's what I want you to see about the transformation and the transforming power. And I mentioned this Wednesday night in our study of God in a person's life. Now I don't think any of us would argue that David was a tremendous warrior. And he was a, a staunch uh, man for the laws of God and, and the things and, and, and being right with what was going on. So it, was, it, it is nothing to David to have somebody killed or punish them according to what the laws are. Would you all agree with that? And... So taking somebody's life or, or executing harsh punishment on somebody, no, that's not a big thing for, for David. But here's what I want you to see. That as God has done a work in David's life, he softened his heart. The same thing that's taking place in David takes place in you and me once we've been saved. I can give you countless examples of it. But specifically in my life, I don't look, the used to, if I saw somebody doing something, I was very quick to say such and such and such and such and such, and such should be, that's what should be happening to them. But now as God has done a work in my life and, and grown me, I feel sorry for people. I have a I have a groaning for people who are lost. No matter what they're doing, I feel sorry for them. I weep for them. Because I know that the condition of their heart and the condition of their life is an example of the condition 
of their, their spiritual condition with God. But as we are, after we're saved and we're transformed and His grace and mercy is applied to our life, and we can see and we have a, a, a touch, a, an experience with, with God where He has mercifully redeemed us, it changes our whole outlook on people. You, you can't help but become a people person once you've been saved. Ooh, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. If you're growing in Christ's word and, and, and his principles and his attitudes and all those things in which he, he bestows to us when he transforms us, you can't help but get softer toward people, especially lost people. I'm not saying I don't have times where I revert to my old self. Because I do. But for the most part, when I look at someone who is just in disarray and just, it's just obvious that you're, they're just plundering in a life of a lost person, my heart just goes out to them. I, I feel sorry for them. I want to reach out to them. I want to show them mercy. Well, I'm going to tell you something that goes along with that. You can't show people the right kind of mercy unless you've been saved. Because you can't, you can't, a lost person can't extend mercy they hadn't experienced from God. That's the true mercy, isn't it? The true mercy is, is, is when he saved you and I. And can you, don't you remember when you, when you understood it and when you saw it? You can't even wrap your mind around it. Because you didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. It was just gracious, graciously given to you. Let's go on. Verse 14. For we, for we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground. Let me, let me back up and catch 13 with it. So the woman said, Why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty. Is that the king does not bring his banished one home again? They're talking about Absalom. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from it. God extends mercy and grace. We were banished before we were Redeemed. But for no reason, he extended and made a means through Jesus for us to come. Verse 15. 
Verse 15, uh, verse 15, Now therefore I have come to speak of this thing to my Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. And your maidservant, uh, your maidservant said, I will now speak to the king. It may be that the king will perform the request of this maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, The word of my lord the king will now be comforting. For as the angel of God, so is my lord the king, is discerning good and evil. And may the lord your God be with you. She, what she said right here is, I know you're a child of God, king, David. And I know because God is, is, is your God and that he has... He has bestowed upon you wisdom and discernment that your eyes will be open to this situation. Now, let's take this to our own families. Let's take this, this scenario to our own families. I'm sure each and every one of us could tell a story of what's, you know, something in your distant family or something that's going on. But here, here's what I want you to understand. It's not up to us to be the decision makers in a situation in our family. You and I have no idea how God is working in a situation in your family. So it is our responsibility, it is our responsibility to seek God first and let Him lead us through those circumstances. Because I'm going to tell you something. One of, the, one of the most dangerous things you can do. Is open your mouth. When you should. In those situations. You let God do the work in that situation. In that circumstance in your family. And you just be responsible. And you just be what God's called you to be. And that is an example in that family. And, and when you are sought out for advice, make sure that you take the time to give godly advice. Don't jump. It's okay to say, hey, hey, let, let, me, let me think about that and pray about that. And I'll get back with you. But too often, when, the, when we're approached with those scenarios or with those questions, we spout off something. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm guilty. That spouting off something's a lot of times wrong. But instead, unless God has laid it on your heart, and you've you've already been in prayer about it, and you've already been studying and seeking about it, and you may already have the answer. But to be caught off guard, it's okay sometimes to say, Hey, let me pray about that. Let me let me think about that. Let me let me I'll get back with you. Because the worst thing we want to do in those family situations is the wrong thing. Because we can push our family or whatever they It may not be family. It may be a friend. We can push them away instead of bringing them closer. And I don't mean bringing them closer to you, but I mean bringing them closer to God. But God has, has given you, if you're His and, and, and you are redeemed by Him and you are walking... In obedience with Him, He has given you discernment. 
He gives you discernment in all kinds of situations. But, but especially fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers, He's given you discernment and experiences through life where He's, he's dealt with you and He's led you through circumstances. And He's shown you patience. I, I'm still learning patience. And he, He's given you the responsibility to give godly direction. Godly direction. Uh, verse 18. Then king, the king answered and said to the woman, Please do not hide from me anything that I ask you. Now, it's starting to dawn on David what's going on here. Is the way I take this. He's starting to realize that, hey, she's come to me with this story of my own family. He says, please do not hide from me anything that I ask you. And the woman said, please let, the Lord, the, uh, please let my lord the king speak. So the king said, is the hand of Joab, Joab with you in all this? And the woman answered and said, As you live, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that my lord the king has spoken. For your servant Joab commanded me, and he put all these words in my mouth, of your, uh, in the mouth of your maidservant, to bring about this change of affairs. Your servant Joab has done this thing. But my Lord is wise, according to the wisdom of the angel of God, to know everything that is in the earth. And the king said to Joab, All right, I have granted this thing. Go therefore, bring back the young man Absalom. Then Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord, O king, in that the king has fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him turn to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face. Now, you ever been in that situation? You're not over it, are you? You give in a little bit, and you're like, mm, yeah, yeah, but still. I don't want such and such. Now in all, in verse 25, Now in all of Israel there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair off his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, it he weighed the hair of his head of 200 shekels according to the king's standard. Pretty, wasn't he? To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent him again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servants, See, 
Joab's field is near mine, and he was and he has barley there. Go and set it afire, and Absalom's servants set the field afire. Now Absalom, Absalom. Well, we got them, don't we? You got them in your family. I got them in mine. Absalom, he needs somebody to spank him, doesn't he? He here, he don't, he doesn't even realize. Absalom doesn't even see the mercy that has been extended to him. It was mercy just enough to be allowed to come back into the kingdom. But that's not good enough, is it? You know any of those? Let's see what happens. I've got to get in the right chapter. 32, And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent to you saying, Come here so that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to have still been there. Now therefore let me see the king's face, but if there is iniquity in me, let him execute me. Careful. So Joab went to the king and told him, And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. Now Absalom's a little pushy, I think. Absalom's a little pushy. But I want you to focus on David. David extended mercy and grace. Just as Jesus extended mercy and grace for the same wretched things we had done. So therefore we as his people should be willing and eager when given the opportunity to extend that same grace and mercy. You say, well, that's hard. To, I know it's hard to do. You say, why? why? They've wronged me. They've wronged my house and my family. Did we not wrong Jesus? Did we not wrong Jesus? Because we should do it because that might be the, the, the one great example to them of Jesus. Don't consider yourself. We don't care what they think. You, we, we want to show, we, sh we should be an example of Jesus' grace and mercy. That, that's where the focus is supposed to be, not on me and you. The Bible tells us that we're no better than the Master, right? That, that we are going to be wronged. We are going to be ridiculed. We are going to be persecuted. And we should count it all what? Joy. Joy. Well, that's sour, isn't it? Why is it sour? Because this old human nature is so full of pride and, and, and so focused on itself that we are something when we are nothing. That we can't turn it loose. Our whole mission is to glorify the Father. To bring glory to the Father. And if you stand in the way by not showing grace and mercy of that, you can't, that's not glorifying the Father. You say, well, 
I just let everybody run over me? Well, I'm not saying that. There's times when you've got to take a stand for the things of God. But when you can extend God's grace and mercy to friends, family, non-friends, family, whoever it may be, and be a shining light of Jesus, you should do it. And get yourself out of the way. And get your feelings out of the way. It's not fun. It's not easy. Believe me. I can't tell you how many times I, I've cried out how pitiful I felt. I quickly learned my feelings don't matter. My pride doesn't matter. What matters is, is Him. What I should be concerned about with my whole being is, is setting a godly example for those who are looking to me. And when I can extend His grace and mercy to them, do it. Not for me, and not so I'm exalted, but so He's exalted. I should be invisible in it, so to speak. It's a hard, hard lesson. But there's no better picture than in David because he, truthfully, was a pretty hard man. A warrior of the utmost strength and victories in all the battles that he, that he carried out. But if you go back and look and be reminded, which we've already seen, those battles were God's. He was victorious because he was, he was obedient. And God had extended his hand of mercy to David to show him those victories. And he will extend that hand of mercy and grace to us too. So that we have victories. As long as our attitudes and, and are right and in line with his word. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an example in David. Lord, we just again lift up this service. That it bring honor and glory unto you. Lord, we pray a, a blessing on these people who are ill. Lord, we ask that you reach down and touch them and bless them. Lord, we ask for your protection on each and every one that's represented here and those who can't be. Lord, on this community. Lord, we pray that you would just continue to guide and direct our footsteps. Lord, let this church be what it's supposed to be for you. That you are glorified. That you are brought honor and exalted. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.